And I remember that sort of being a big moment of realizing that the world was a lot less black and white than I thought it was. And it took me a, a couple of years to realize that, that there can be a lot more nuance in faith. Welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicky, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi mom, let's talk about faith for teenagers. Hi, faith for teenagers. Kind of like all stages of parenting, you slide into them and think, I've never been here before. I don't know how this works. <laughs> so there's the what to expect when you're expecting books, which are great. And then when you get to the tween years and the teen years, there are books like that, but you're kind of living life and you have kind of routines set now and patterns. And oftentimes you have more than one child, more than one age group. So typically for the mom, the mom's mindset is, and the dad set uh, with the youngest child who still needs the most attention. So right. sliding into all the transitions later in life is really like sliding into a base, stealing a base <laughs> when you scrape your knee on the floor or you slam your chest against the ground and you get all dirty and messy and you have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. It's uh, it's painful, not comfortable, and eventually you get there. Eventually you get there. So last week we talked about faith with young children. And what we learned is that, especially in those first few years, it's actually a lot less about instilling faith in your child and a lot more about opening up to the faith that your child inherently has mm -hmm. and learning how to model things and, and work in relationship with each other and with God versus starting with like a moral or ritualistic um, like set of standards. Absolutely. But as we get older, that inherent level of faith starts to erode. Mm -hmm. And so by the time you're a tween and a teen, there's some very different experiences you're going through. I mean, that's true for every part of being a teenager. I mean, you go through puberty, it's probably not your first, but it is a big step in differentiating from your parents mm -hmm. in a different way. And as you're saying, parents often aren't re expecting it when it comes up. I remember you commenting before when we reflected on my like 10, 11, 12 years, which is just on the cusp of getting into tween you know I'm not quite there but I remember commenting once what did you think about like did you ever think about me like having a crush or whatever and your response was no it never occurred to me that that would be like it just it didn't occur to me that that would be a thing entering your mind because I was a kid to you I'm I'm the little girl so the fact that these changes often begin sooner than a parent expects, I, say, I think is probably really influential in the way that a parent and a child interacts when it comes to faith. Yeah. I, so I'm curious what you remember about the tween years and in your relationship with faith being the leading child in our family. Mm -hmm. and we were still very much, uh, your dad and I were still very much in the kids church frame of mind when you yeah. were in your tween years, because we were helping to organize and write the children's programs and things that we did within our 
institutional church that we attended at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's occurring to me that a lot of the way that each of us interact with faith has to do with our personalities. And so I, it might be important here to like, just mention that I feel that those are pretty connected. There's, there's one God and he interacts with each of us, but he interacts with each of us based on the way that he created us. And so I am a pretty like by the book person, especially growing up. I had a much easier time just following the rules and not really questioning a lot for better and worse. That's just part of what it was like to be a firstborn and part of my personality in some senses. I love to study and I love things that are concrete and black and white. And I know that that attached itself to my faith. So there are parts of being a tween and then a teenager that where, where my faith and I sort of met in this place that stayed pretty black and white longer than I think some of my friends that were already grappling with bigger questions about God or the big existential questions about life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for a, I was able to stay a lot longer and just like, yeah, I believe these things. I'm thankful that you and dad were just happened to be the leaders of the children's church because part of what that taught me to do was to still sort of look at faith through the child's eyes. And mm. it was a really good practice of, of regurgitating as I taught young kids. I would help out a lot in the kids' church. And mm -hmm. so you, I in all parts of life, you learn a lot more about yourself and about whatever you're talking about when you try to teach it to someone else. Mm -hmm. I do remember... Okay, so we, so we went to a Christian school. So I was like very involved in upper middle class Christian communities, mm -hmm. very specific little pocket of the world in which the creation story was pretty standard. And so when we got to seventh grade and we started talking about the science of evolution, it like kind of ruffled some feathers because there were questionable beliefs all around ba based on that and you know there's it's 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 sad to me how many people of the christian faith knock against science instead of allowing both to be true because we know that science is real and true so i remember a conversation with dad where i was asked to go home and talk to my parents about evolution and what they believed about it and i remember dad saying well uh, we believe in science and this is what science says and that doesn't mean that it's outside of God's control like God created science too and this is like a beautifully and wonderfully made world and it shook my world mm. and I was really concerned about dad's faith for a minute uh. because it was separate from the felt board creation story of seven days <laughs> that I had grown up in and I remember that sort of being a big moment of realizing that the world was a lot less black and white than I thought it was mm -hmm. and it took me a, a couple of years to grapple with that and realize that like both can be true yeah that there can be a lot more nuance in faith yeah that is such a good point and I am like you I question well I question a lot but I also don't question things that other people question I I take I take them in stride and I say yeah I believe that and then I I move on and I I wonder about different things. So once I've decided it, I move on. And so when I'm faced with people that question it, it does rock my world too. And that is challenging. So when you started, you know, as a, as a teen to question things, and I hadn't really thought about my reason for mm. a long time, because little kids aren't questioning things usually so much. It is, uh, it is, uh, that would, that was 
challenging. I was glad for your dad being able to say things, but like so many, when you start to question things, so many things come into play and it's really helpful if you can remember all these different things. I didn't, can't say that I remembered them that well. You mean like facts? No, like the, like the way the conversation goes. So okay. remembering as a parent, instead of getting nervous, instead of getting anxious, instead of saying this is the way it is and becoming more mm. legalistic, which I think can happen. So this is the experience I think a parent can have. You're, you okay. grow, your kids are growing up 10 years and that's a, that's a long time. And that your head is in the weeds and, and you're not looking up and around. And all of a sudden, then your child starts hearing things from other people that ha have maybe older siblings. Yeah. I remember you being our oldest, we're, us not really liking having you having friends that had older siblings oh. that were questioning things because we were like, wait a second, we didn't want to have that conversation yet. <laughs> and so it's easy to forget that God is omniscient and he understands yep. every situation and to bring it to God. That's an important note to remember that, okay, this is not a mystery to God. Yeah. He knows all these stages. And then to remember that it's okay to reflect the question back to your child. And as mm. I'm in uh, my master's program for educational therapy, we're talking about education and a lot of explicit teaching for people with special needs. Right. And I love the whole concept of being really explicit and, and opening it up and making it available, making learning available to everyone. So one of the right. things to do is engage background knowledge. So I don't know if I did this when you were a tween, but I love the freedom and the comfort of turning the question around and saying, what do you understand about about the creation story? You, you know, your friends are questioning the creation story. You are asking us what we believe. Well, let's let's review together. Like, what do we believe yeah. about the creation story? So you engage background knowledge and then bring it in. We have the privilege, your dad and I, and not everybody has this, of a lot of Bible teaching, Yeah, <laughs> having gone to Bible college. So we know about the genres of scripture, which I don't know yeah. if we brought them into you or your teacher brought them up to you, but that helps. It, it is nerve wracking as a parent to be able to answer those questions. I guess it's, yeah. this is the time of life, as with all the questions that start surfacing with a tween about yeah. sexuality and politics and like all the questions, to be able to say, to shift gears and, and not say, this is the answer, but to say, mm -hmm. what do you know? Let's talk about this together. Let's learn together. And that I think is the most difficult transition as yeah. a parent of a tween to recognize that, oh, I don't just tell you how it is anymore. I ask you more questions. And truly that could have been started younger, but by the nature of who I am and the nature of who you are, we, mm -hmm. you know, we're, I was content with life. I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just kind of lived mm -hmm. like here's today. <laughs> and I think you were like that too. We were like, I'm enjoying today and what is going on? Yeah, I think that's true. And I I think that is like the, the central shift in the relationship between a mom and daughter when it comes to faith is the difference between the 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 ability to answer all the questions and the freedom to to question things and not have an answer especially if you have younger children too mm -hmm. you know because when i was 10 audrey was three <laughs> right so there was a lot of your life that was still black and white mm -hmm. question answering and you know just like basic you know what do you do at the table and you don't cross you don't cross the street without holding a hand versus having an older kid who wants to know the answers to things and i do think it's really powerful for 
a young adult to start to get the picture from their parent that it's okay to like that I can still trust mom when she doesn't have the answer that there's something empowering and exciting about looking for an answer instead of sort of trust being taken away or shaken when an answer isn't obvious. Yeah, that is the struggle as a parent to be feel comfortable with that. Because parents of young kids totally get put on the pedestal. Like and, yeah, and it's a good right. feeling, I have to admit, as a parent, you know, to be the one that your child looks to and they say, I want to play with my mom and your mom has all the answers and mom solves all the problems. That it is kind of it's a like I said yesterday, it's a powerful feeling. And I would be lying to ignore that there isn't something to that. If right, people don't right. talk about that powerful feeling of having some position of esteem above somebody else it's it's not authentic to not to acknowledge right. that and i can imagine people saying ah that's nothing what I, like what a head trip you have there but i just am like no that there's something to that if you're a conscientious parent yeah. there's something to that but then to be able to say hey actually we're on the same level we're on this journey and we mm. we do have and that's why we do look to god our higher power who does mm -hmm. have the answers, and we do trust in the Holy Spirit to guide us to the places in the Bible that help give us answers. Right. That's a, a stretch and a mind shift for parents. And I remember running up against that, you know, being surprised. Oh, wait a second. I'm not sure I was ready for this new stage. I think I, that's a courageous step in your own self to have to look at a question and be like, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you here because I don't have an easy answer. That's, I mean, you can just in your own body know that that's courageous. And so doing that with another person that you are the example for is a big step. Yeah. I guess the big concepts for parenting a tween carry through the questions of uh, faith and all the other questions that come up. And that is being comfortable as a parent with the questions and being comfortable being curious and allow allowing the questions and not just giving black and white rigid answers. The tween years are the time of life when another neuron brain pruning happens. So we have like the brain pruning that happens when you're a toddler and then the brain pruning that happens again when you're in your tweens. And that just means the pruning happens to neurons that aren't fired and wired. So if we don't continue to raise the conversation of faith or any kind of conversation, if we cut off questions, if we limit hmm. what people people ask and say, that's a non-starter, this is not a conversation, then those will get pruned and kids will get hardened and their curiosity will go away. There's been studies that say, you know, parents are nervous about their kids' doubts because maybe they've come to terms with some points of faith and things. But the studies say by the psychologists who have researched it, is that keep asking. It's okay. Just come alongside your child and let them ask those questions and say, guess what? I have doubts too. That's super important and, and fascinating to know that you really could lose a lot of those neurons um, based on what you do or do not practice. Mm -hmm. That is a really concrete way to talk about how important it is to keep talking about whatever things are important in your life that you mm -hmm. want to keep up. So that's that sounds really huge. It is. I was I was just learning that when you were a tr a tween 
I, I remember going to see a speaker who started talking about how kids would start to put their faith identity kind of in a lockbox. Mm. And especially when they left high school and went to college yep. and they would walk through their form of faith in the junior high and high school years. So I guess the best thing, like you said, is is to say, I wonder about this and share what you wonder. For, yeah. for, for me as a parent, it would have been helpful to continue saying, this is what I wonder about. This is what I doubt about. And I have to admit that it's only this year in all my years of reading the Bible did I realize that Matthew 28, the big passage that Christians point to where Jesus gives the Great Commission, says they believed and some doubted. And right, I never... Right in the middle of these like superstar Christians as, so, as we think of them. Yeah. And they worshipped Jesus. He had risen from the dead after being crucified on the cross. And he was coming to tell them, this is what I am asking you to do. Go into all the world and preach the good news. And I didn't realize that it actually says some doubted. And I thought, wow, that's so comforting to recognize that even these people that were with Jesus that saw all these things, they even doubted. Yeah, gives a lot of freedom. Yeah. The last thing I think to mention when it comes to the tween faith is that not only are there so many questions and parents have to start like getting used to it being okay to just have questions and not answers, but it also is sort of the first time that, as you're saying, with the lockbox kids are specifically not asking those questions to their parents. Mm -hmm. So there's like a good bit of mom's too close to me or they're like, it gets weird between moms and daughters in the mm -hmm. between teen years. So I don't know that I have a solution for that, except just to say that it's, it's usual, that it's, it's normal if you feel like your daughter is not talking to you or you feel jealous of her friend's mom who you find out she's been like having deep conversations with after school or opening up to when she won't open up to you. But mm -hmm. that it doesn't have anything to say about you. No, that is a good point. It's a developmental stage of individuation, especially from the daughter from the mother. Yeah. And that reminds me of the five to one rule that I did hear about. Mm -hmm. And I tried to implement. Mm -hmm. It can't be forced. Right. The five to one rule is finding five people who are older that are deeply interested in the tween or the teen, in addition to the parents that will come to their sporting events or their musical events, that will ask them questions, that will take them out for ice cream, that will be uh, around them and be interested in their life. Because that tween years is so much self-identity formation and so much insecurity. It's also a badging forming time when, you know, tribes and teams. It's like why the Harry Potter houses are so important oh. to tweens. It's because it's like a it's like a it's identity. identity yeah. yeah. So so that's why, you know, those books are kind of written for tweens, the right. Harry Potter books. And they're so powerful that badging i'm in this house i'm in this house and if you think of tweens like especially your sister we were in a different church when um your youngest sister was a tween was a sixth mm -hmm. seventh and eighth grader and she just loved those tribe challenges and those team competitions right because it was set them up into small groups and you're right it was like super small group pride yeah so it's identity formation but it also gave her a community of people you're right that was safe outside mm -hmm. of me uh to ask questions and so, and she has a youth leader. And I will, when I was in 
Well, I was in ninth grade. I started having a a youth leader or Mm -hmm. kind of a mentor outside of my family. And then I did even through college and into adulthood, one other special person that I would have prayer requests with and who was very special. And I could ask a lot of questions of, and that made all the difference for me. That must be a really big step though, as a mom to watch your child invest in other adults, even when you know that the like five to one rule is really important and that it's important to have adult voices outside of your own in your child's life. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really big step talking about the difference from like the pedestal you're put on when your child is young to relinquishing enough control to trust these people who you don't talk to all the time and You don't know for sure if you have the exact same values as them and you know enough about them to agree that your child is allowed to be in their space and under their tutelage. But there, I mean, there's got to be times where it's just like, oh, I, I would have, you know, I would have come at that differently. That's true. And we did have people in our midst. We had one person in our midst in particular when you were in junior high that we were not comfortable with. We didn't feel like she, the lifestyle choices and that she made, we didn't agree with. It didn't have to do with like any of the big questions. It had to do with honesty. <laughs> mm. I mean, that's a pretty big question. <laughs> but it wasn't like sexual orientation or any of those kinds of questions that are, you know, the people sometimes have questions about. It had to do with she was a grand scale person that lied on the grand scale to a lot of people, not just like one person. And yeah, that's a big and then deal. when she was in our midst, I became aware of when she started to fabricate and, and um, tell stories. And it was so surprising to me because she didn't need to. She was telling stories right. about things that she had done in her life, making herself seem bigger. And she didn't she didn't need to with me. Anyway, I became really nervous. She was yeah. also a big gift giver. She mm-hmm. gave she gave you kids a lot of gifts. And that also I felt quite uncomfortable with. Actually had a conversation with her and let her know, Hmm. I love you and I am not comfortable with you taking my children out because I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. Now my friend continued to let her see her kids and it was okay. (laughs) And they were all okay. And uh, nothing terrible happened to them. Hmm. So it was different parenting choices and my yeah. my parenting choice truthfully came from a, more of a place of fear. My friend didn't have that fear and she was able to hold the tenuous trust question and the friendship and, and allow it to continue to happen with her daughters. I think that's a really powerful story though because it it does show that everyone's resilient and regardless, I've said this before, but you do the best that you can with the information that you have at the time. And mm-hmm. so I I think that's really beautiful that you and your friend were able to, like you happened to come to different conclusions, but you both had the best interest in mind and mm-hmm. neither of you knew what the future would hold. Mm-hmm. That in itself as a parent is just like a daily relinquishing of some of the control that you think that you have as mm-hmm. your child grows up. Yeah. 
It's true. So yeah, the the big question is allow allow your uh, children, your tween and teens, to mm-hmm. ask questions and come alongside them and ask the same questions. Say, I wonder about that. Be willing to wonder and to yeah. say, let's look at, let's find the answer together. Let's see yeah. if we can find the answer together. That is like genuinely the way the rest of life goes. So if yeah. you can start that out with your 10, 11 year old and say, let's see what we discover together and trust the Holy Spirit being the teacher and being willing to ask the questions together. That is a healthier transition for parents to get into for their tweens from the black and white rigidity of previous times. That's so great. Well, thanks for all that wisdom, Mom. (laughs) Good to talk to you. We'll move on even further into more recent personal experience next time, and we'll talk about young adulthood. Faith in young adulthood. College, college, and a little further. All right. All righty. Talk to you then, Mama. Have a good week. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.